You are listening to the official podcast of Salem Tabernacle in Beacon, New York. A community of people devoted to experiencing life as God meant it to be. Salem Tabernacle, give God your best praise in this place this morning. If he's been good in your life, if he saved you before, let him know in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So good. So good. Amen and amen. Good morning, everybody. How are we today? It is great to be here with all of you. My name, like was said before, is Stephen Francis, and I come to you from Valley Christian Church, church not too far down the street. You may be seated, by the way. Have a seat. Have a seat. The seat is yours for the rest of the service. How about that? And I come to you from Valley Christian Church. I uh, do not come alone. I come with my beautiful wife, Jasmine, who's up here in the front. Yeah, give her a round of applause. We also have a son named Maddox. I like to say that he is two going on 22. That boy is a toddler, but at the same time, a grown man. It makes no sense. Uh, we kept him with his grandmother today because we like breaks. Amen, parents in the room? Come on, I got a witness. Bless you in the corner. I'm very humbled to be on the stage in all seriousness. Um, we are big fans of Salem Tabernacle. Honestly, um, we are very just blown away by the impact that this church has had, not only in the community, but in the generations of believers, families that have faith in Jesus that came from this place. And listen, I give all glory and honor to God for bringing me here today and, and for what he's doing in this household. But I also believe that everything rises and falls on leadership. So can we do something very special right now? Can we just give a big round of applause to Pastor Bill, his wife, all of the leaders and the volunteers that do an incredible job to make Salem Tabernacle what it is today. That's right, that standing ovation is accurate. Celebrate your pastor in here today. Bill, we honor you, we thank you. What is happening here is because of what God is doing in and through you, sir. So thank you, thank you. And I'm also grateful for our friendship. Honestly, in church, can I just brag on your pastor just for just a couple more minutes? You know, like he said before, it's, it's rare to find someone that has a bleeding heart, but also a communicator. And the first time I, I met Pastor Bill was through the Fragamenti family. Shout out to uh, the Fragamenti family. I see you. And um, first time I met Pastor Bill, I said, this man is truly a man that not only loves God, but is zealous for the people of God. And I said to myself that this is someone that I need to be partnered with. And I'm so grateful again to be able to not only do ministry alongside you, but to call you a friend is truly a gift. So thank you, sir. But now let's get into the word of God. If you have your Bibles with me, can you turn with me real quick to Mark chapter 4? We are going to be in Mark chapter 4. That's where we're going to be spending most of our time together. If you don't have a Bible, I believe that it will be on the screen behind me, okay? Mark chapter 4, starting at verse 35. When you have a say amen. amen. Wonderful. That day when evening came, he, being Jesus, said to his disciples, let us go to the other side, leaving the crowd behind. They took him along just as he was in the boat. 
There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Now, I want to just stop here for a moment because I believe in not just reading Scripture, but just putting yourself in Scripture. Now, many of us in here have probably never been in a sinking ship before, but how many of you have ever experienced bad turbulence on a plane? Anybody in here? Many of you. True story, a couple years ago, me and my wife took a flight to Florida, and it seemed like a pretty normal flight, but as we were flying into Florida, the, uh, the pilot comes up on the overhead speaker and says that we are about to enter a bad storm. Please prepare for turbulence. And I've been through turbulence before. I didn't think it was a big deal. But Salem, the turbulence in this plane became so bad that we had to do an emergency landing. I'm talking about even though we had our seat belts on, our bodies were lifting up from the seats. People got motion sickness and started throwing up. People started crying. Drinks were thrown all over the place. And normally when I'm in a plane with turbulence, I like to look at the flight attendants because they do this all the time. So if they're calm, then I can be calm. But the flight attendants on this particular flight were super nervous, very scared. And many of you have had similar experiences in your own life. So I want you to apply that level of fear, that level of uh, anxiety into what is happening to the men here in this story. Because the passage goes on. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drowned? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Salem, would you pray with me? Lord, this is your time. I pray, Lord, that you say exactly what needs to be said. I am just your microphone here in this moment. Prepare our hearts and minds for your word. Let us be encouraged and challenged in every way you see fit. And we thank you and believe this be done in Jesus' name. Amen. My title for today's message is called Stable in the Storm. I want to encourage you today that whatever storm that you are dealing with, that you can be stable in the storm. Fear will make you unstable in a storm. But faith in Jesus will always keep you stable in the storm. The question is always, whatever storm that we face, how do we stay stable? See, this past week, we all experienced physical storms in this area. And for many of us, it didn't matter how loud the thunder was. It didn't matter how much rain fell. It didn't matter how strong the wind blew. As long as we were in a, a, a safe shelter, like a home, we were safe from the storm. We could be stable in the storm. You might have even walked outside and you saw tree limbs that fell down and items that were in your backyard or somewhere on your property out of place. But you were still whole because you were in some place that kept you stable in the storm. Now, I want to talk about how we cannot just be stable physically, but how we could be stable spiritually in any storm. And of course, I'm not talking about thunder and lightning type of storms. I want to talk about storms in the definition of a, any turbulent moment or season in your life. See, we all experienced a global storm with COVID-19. The pandemic was everywhere. You could not get on a plane and fly somewhere to escape that particular storm. 
Many of us here in America, we obviously experienced the storm of the political season and the racial divide that caused for so many, uh, not only uh, protests, but other things to occur that, that divided us as a people. But on top of the national and the global storms, we still have our own personal storms. Some of you in here right now, your marriage may be going through a storm. You may be going through a storm right now with you and your children. You may be going through a storm right now with your career. You may be going through a storm right now with your mental health. And the question is, even in those moments, how do we stay stable in the storm? Because here's the truth that we realized, especially after this past year, is that a lot of us thought that in order to be stable in the storm, you just needed to have the right bank account. You just needed to have this type of status. You just needed to have these type of relationships. But when the storm really hit, things became so unstable that we actually ended up getting ourselves hurt. And some of us are living in the damages of a storm that is causing us to lose all of our ability to have patience, to forgive, to love. And the question is not only how do we heal, but how do we stay stable for the next storm? Because here's the truth. All of us are going through a storm. You know, there's that classic saying that says that you're either in a storm, coming out of a storm, or about to be in a storm. So I want to look at exegetically how we can stay stable in a storm by looking through what happened in this passage. But I do want to be honest with you first because, you know, I'm talking about how everyone has had a storm. Can I just be honest about a storm that I went through real quick? See, the pandemic, Salem Tabernacle almost took me out. The campus that I was a pastor of closed its doors for good at my church. And the only way for me to be a loving pastor was to go on Facebook and other forms of social media to try to encourage people with prayer and, and encouraging words from scripture. But social media also became a very toxic place. And I saw people say hateful, hurtful things to one another in such a way it makes it hard for me to even look at them the same. And on top of that, I was dealing with things personally and I was dealing things uh, with issues for me as a black man. I was dealing with other issues uh, with my finances and other matters. And so many things were happening that it almost made me walk away from my faith. But I'm here today because I'm stable in the storm thanks to Jesus. So before I get into the scripture, I want to tell you that what I'm about to pull out of here is what helped me get through it. And I hope it does the same for you. So now with that said, let's go to Mark chapter four. Again, I just want to read verse 35. That day when evening came, he, Jesus, said to his disciples, let us go to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. But soon a fierce squall came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and began to fill it with water. The first thing that I believe is an important observation that we need to take when it comes to storms is how we get into storms in the first place. See, many of us have to admit that there are some storms in our life that are just simply our fault. Can we own that in this room? We got some financial storms because we were spending money that we should not have been spending. Some of us have some relational storms because we were a lot more selfish in those relationships. Some of us are dealing with some career storms because if we are truly honest with ourselves, we weren't necessarily the best employee. 
And there's also storms that happen because somebody did something to us. And there's also storms that we experience from the enemy. Scripture says that the enemy is like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. And yet at the same time, I'm not scared of storms like that because I know that God has given me power over the enemy. I know that with Jesus with me, I can overcome the works of the enemy and I have power and authority over him. But can I be honest with you today, Salem Tabernacle, the storms that I really struggle with are the ones that God sent himself. This is a conflict for me in my Pentecostal upbringing. Because whenever I'm in a storm, whenever I need to be delivered, I know exactly what to do. I will speak the exact amount of tongues. I will lay hands with anointing oil. I will fast and pray until I see things turn around. I even grew up in a church background where they said, listen, all you got to do is proclaim it. You just got to grab it. You just got to believe that it is yours and it is on the way. If you haven't seen it yet, it's on the way. Or you just need to believe some more until it shows up. And I believe that there's some truth to, to, to that. and I believe that it's a powerful thing. But can we be honest here in this room? There are times when we are praying to God to deliver us from things. And God is actually trying to tell us, I'm sorry, I sent it for you. You trying to pray to the same God who set you up in the storm. <laughs> and when we are in that situation, we need to have a better perspective of, of God. Listen, if you have me here in this storm, if you have me in this situation, then if you won't get me out of it, I need you to get me through it. I need you to keep me stable through it. So we see here with the disciples that they're in a storm that God caused. And not only did God cause the storm, but this was unlike any storm they've ever experienced in their lives. Keep in mind that the disciples in this storm are, many of them were fishermen. They've experienced storms plenty before in their lives. Yet somehow they are in a storm where literally them as fishermen are saying, we are not going to make it. And they become unstable with fear. Now, I talked about storms for a little while, but can I talk about fear for a moment? See, the other thing that I grew up with was that we were never to be afraid. Second Timothy 1 verse 7 says this, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, these words are true. These words are powerful, but they can often be seen out of context. Because studies show that a rational fear is a threat to us that is both imminent and potent. Meaning if you have a threat that is near and powerful, it is a legitimate fear. Now you can have irrational fears also. You can fear something that is close but not strong, strong and not close. But all of us, when we feel like we are dealing with a threat, have a natural response to fear. And it will embarrass you too. Can I just keep it real with you for a moment? A couple of years ago, um, I was invited to preach at a Christian camp in Red Hook. And normally when I travel to speak, I always bring my wife with me. But we just had our son and she needed to stay home. So I drive up by myself to this camp. And at this camp, the first night was an incredible night of worship. Truly unlike anything I've ever seen. It, it felt just like the worship we just had. Can we just give the worship team just a quick round of applause, by the way? Powerful. Powerful. And as I'm worshiping, I feel literally like heaven has come to earth, like the supernatural is happening here in this room at this camp. And I am just giving God all of my praise. And I had one of those moments where once the service was over, I wasn't done. 
So I went into the car and I started worshiping myself. I put on my favorite worship album and I just started singing my heart out. Now, Salem, let me keep it real. I cannot sing. <laughs> but anyone here willing to admit that when you're in the car by yourself, you'll sing the song like you wrote the thing in this room. I'm singing to the Lord and I am filled with faith, giving him my all. And as I am worshiping Jesus in all spirit and truth, a spider the size of my hand comes from the ceiling of the car and lands straight in front of my face. And normally I'm not scared of spiders, but the spider caught me so off guard, I went from singing at the top of my lungs to screaming at the top of my lungs and I'm swerving all over the road. I pull into a McDonald's that was up the street and I jump out the car and I am literally flailing trying to get the spider off of me. And I don't know why, but this particular McDonald's had to be the busy, busiest McDonald's in the state of New York. It was ridiculous. So everyone is looking at me like this man has just lost his mind and he needs help. And I don't know if you have ever experienced this before, but, I, but if you ever embarrass yourself, there's always this sense of like, you know what, let me just act super dignified and act like nothing ever happened. So I composed myself, I got back in the car, and I bought myself a large fry and a McFlurry <laughs> in the drive-thru like nothing ever happened. Salem, I'll keep it real too, the scariest part of that story is I have no idea where that spider went. No idea, that spider was so big it should have had a seatbelt on, I have no idea where it went. And I drove the rest of the way with the lights on. Why do I tell you this ridiculous story? First, the check above your head when you get in a car. But second, because I had a moment where even though I was filled with faith, I had a response to fear. Now, you can say, Pastor Stephen, that is an illegitimate fear, and you might be right. But there are some people in here right now where you're facing cancer, and that's a real fear. There's some people in here right now where if you don't get these certain bills paid, they're going to take away your home, and that's a real fear. There's some people in here right now that are scared for the safety of their children, and that is a real fear. Now, here's the point. I don't think this verse is saying that you can't be fearful. I believe it's saying you can have fear, but don't let fear have you. Because when you have fear having you, that is a spirit of fear. And a spirit of fear operates a lot differently. A spirit of fear will have you lose and sleep over pressing issues. A spirit of fear will always have you imagining the worst case scenario. A spirit of fear will have you developing a scarcity mentality, making it hard for you to be generous. A spirit of fear will leave you drained because you are constantly filled with stress and dread. But the worst thing that fear can do to your life is change your perspective of God. This is why I believe that fear can become faith in the wrong force. Fear is faith in the wrong force. Hear me again. I'm talking about a spirit of fear. A spirit of fear can cause you to have faith that God is not in control. A spirit of fear will give you the belief that God doesn't care about what you're dealing with. A spirit of fear will give you the idea that the, strong, that the storm is too strong for the Savior. And I imagine this is what the disciples are feeling in this moment. Because we see here in Mark chapter 4 at verse 37, it says, But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. 
Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. How sway is Jesus sleeping on this boat? The same way you probably cannot sleep during a turbulent plane ride, it seems almost impossible that Jesus could really be sleeping in this rocking ship. And the thing that gets to me is when you look at the passage again, it says that the boat was filling with water. And if Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat on a cushion, Jesus wasn't just sleeping in the boat, but he was getting wet from the waves filling up in the back of the boat. Jesus didn't even wake up because he was wet. And to the disciples, they're looking at Jesus, who is soaking wet, sleeping in the back of this boat, and they believe that he's sleeping on the job. They become unstable in their faith and upset because the same person that sent them into the storm seems to be unhelpful. And this is why fear, our spirit of fear, can be so damaging because they went from seeing Jesus as someone that wasn't caring to forgetting who Jesus was in the first place. See, Jesus is no ordinary man on this boat. The King of kings and the Lord of lords is on this boat. Jesus went by another name, and that name was Emmanuel, which means God with us. And the first time we ever see in Scripture that God introduces himself by name was in Exodus, and he says that he is, I am that I am, which can be translated to mean that he is consistent with no contingencies. Pastor Stephen, what's that mean? I'll tell you right now. Give you an example. I have days in my life where I tell my wife that I will be home at 5 p.m., but I don't show up at 5 p.m. Maybe it was because of traffic. Maybe because a meeting went long. But either way, even though it's not a big deal, I didn't keep my word. But God doesn't have that problem. He is immutable, meaning he cannot mutate. He cannot change. Who he is is who he will always be. What he says he'll do in one moment is what he will do again in the next moment. We serve a God who keeps his word at all times. So when we see in Scripture... What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? What we see in Scripture, that greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. What we see in Scripture, that we know that all things work together for the good of those that are called to the Lord and according to his purpose. We can trust these things. These weren't momentary things. He keeps these truths consistently. Can I encourage you today? God told me to tell somebody in here, and I don't know who I'm talking to, but whoever is going through a storm today, God told me to tell you, you are getting to the other side of this storm. That whatever you are struggling with, you are going to get to the other side of this storm because he is consistent with no contingencies in your storm. Things may be falling apart for us, but they are falling in place for God. And here's the other truth that we see when it comes to storms. Because I often wonder why, despite how good God has been in his word, despite how good God has been in my own life, why is it that suddenly I can become so untrustworthy of him in the midst of my storm? And I often come to this realization because obviously there's the struggle that we cannot physically see God. But then I also realize that the reason why I often struggle to trust in God is because I don't like the way he does things. Can we be real in this room? Have you ever had it when you ask someone to do something for you, but you just didn't like the way they did it? 
So it made you not want to ask them again? You ever have it where you ask someone to do something and they're taking so long to do it that you say, you know what, you know what, I'll just do it myself. I just like to do it myself. Can I ask you another question? Have you ever gotten angry at God because you was asking him to do something in your life and you wasn't liking the time that he was doing it? You weren't liking the way that he was doing it. I've had times in my life where I'm praying to God, God, I don't know why you're taking so long. I need an answer to my prayer right now. God, you keep saying that you're good, but why is everything around me so bad? God, I don't even feel like you're even listening to me right now. Can you even at least show me that you're there in this moment? And the frustration and the fear that I'm dealing with causes for me to just say, you know what? I'm going to just do it on my own. The spirit of fear made me believe that God was not active in my situation. Forgetting that God's ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. Salem, I need to let you know this, that God is consistent with no contingencies, but he cannot be controlled. His ways are higher than our ways. He moves in mysterious ways that is more powerful and transformative. And this is why I believe that even though in my world, I would like for Jesus to be awake in this story to help me through the situations because that's what I would want. I believe Jesus is making a powerful statement here in this story. So I want to encourage you today, whatever storm that you're in, that Jesus is present with peace in your storms. How can we be stable in our storms? By our faith that Jesus is present in the midst of them. The storm is bigger than us, but Jesus is bigger than the storms. And a lot of people... Many times when they read this story, the thing that they get blown away by is the fact that Jesus will wake up and he will calm the storm with his voice. But that's actually not my favorite part. My favorite part in the story is the fact that Jesus is sleeping. Because here's the truth. There's a perspective of fear when you see Jesus sleeping that makes you say that he is uninvolved in your situation. But when you look at this from the perspective of faith, One can actually say, oh, my goodness, Jesus is so much bigger and powerful than the storm that he's unfazed by it. That Jesus is so much bigger and powerful than the storm that even though the waves are hitting the ship, even though water is filling the boat, even though there is roaring thunder happening outside, Jesus is still asleep. And maybe you feel like Jesus is asleep in your situation and you don't like that. First off, he's not sleeping in your situation. He's active. But can I encourage you with this powerful truth? And this is why I love this story. Because even though Jesus is sleeping on this boat and the wind didn't wake him up and the water didn't wake him up and the thunder didn't wake him up, what woke him up was when his followers called on his name and he came into action. Can I let you know in here today that Jesus cares when you call in this place? He is not moved by the storm because he has power over the storm. But he is moved by you in the midst of the storm because he cares for you. The whole reason why Jesus came to earth was to die a death on the cross and save us from a storm that we could not save ourselves from. And the power that he has in him kept him so that he could not even stay dead. But on the third day rose again with power and authority in his hands. 
That is the God that we serve today. That is the God that is in the boat in the story. That is the God that is moving in and through your life right here, right now. So I want to encourage you. If you're in a storm and you don't know how you're going to make it, if you're in a storm and the spirit of fear has you feeling unstable, I want to encourage you to have faith in God. And I want you, that, uh, and I want you to know that whenever you feel like you're not going to make it, call on his name. There is power in prayer. Prayer moves the heart of God and God moves things on earth. I want to go back to the story. He says this in verse 40. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified. Did I skip a verse? Let me, let me go back. Mark 4, 38. I just want to read this in its entirety. Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're drowning? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and was completely calm. Then we see this in verse 40. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, the part of the scripture that actually is a little confusing to me when I first read it is Jesus' response, why are you so afraid? They had a legitimate reason to be afraid. They were being swept by a storm, and when they were expecting God to show up and do something, it seemed like he was unhelpful. But again, that is the perspective we have with the spirit of fear. See, I almost wonder what would have happened if the disciples came to Jesus and said, Jesus, we need you to save us because we know that only you can. Jesus, we need you to turn things around because you're the only one that can get us out of this. Jesus, if you're sleeping here on this boat, let me just curl up right next to you because if you, if you say we're going to get to the other side, then I'm just going to stay close to you because I'm getting to the other side with you by me. But the other thing that I think is so powerful is this, is that after he calms the storm by speaking to it, they say again, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. These are the disciples of Jesus who had a perspective of Jesus that ends up getting blown out of the box. See, so many of us follow Jesus, but we still don't fully know who he is. We still don't fully understand what he is capable of doing. And I believe that even in the midst of our storms, whether it's because he caused it or some other means, it is always an opportunity to be stable in him and to see him move in miraculous ways. So I want to go back to the story that I said before, because I've mentioned that I was in a difficult storm in my life and I was ready to walk away from my faith. And I had to figure out how can I have a perspective of Jesus in this storm that can keep me stable. I want to share a few things that I did with you as I close. The first thing that I did was that I stepped into worship. When financial, relational, racial storms became too much, I had to go to worship. 
And this is what I mean by worship, because it's very easy to come to church and watch worship. It's very easy to put on a worship song at home or in the car and listen to worship. There's very easy to think that you're worshiping when you're just singing songs. When you step into worship, it should right-size the problems that you are facing in your life. It is you taking the words from the song and making it the cry of your heart. And it's when we allow the words to become the cry of our heart that we begin to see a shift happen in our situations. Oftentimes when we worship, it doesn't necessarily change our situation right away, but it changes our perspective immediately. To see that, listen, this is a big storm. I can't save myself. I don't know what to do, but I know that God is on my side. I know he's able. I know he's consistent with no contingencies. I know that I'm going to make it if he is there with me. And here's the thing about stepping into worship. You're going to have moments, and I'm going to tell you in advance, you're going to have moments where you step out of that time of worship, and you're going to be filled with faith, and then you're just going to deflate a little bit all over again. But this is why Scripture says that his mercies are new every morning, that he has a renewing spirit. So whenever I feel deflated again, I just go right back to him, and I start worshiping him again until I see the things that I'm dealing with from the proper perspective. The second thing I need to do to stay stable in the storm is this. I need to be sure that I am reading his reviews. I'm an individual who doesn't like to buy anything unless I look at the reviews first. And that's everything from something on Amazon to booking a vacation trip. And often I I make sure to look at not just the reviews from other people, but I like to even look at videos and see uh, what the trip is like, what the item, how it works. And I believe that many times when we are dealing with a storm, it's very easy for us to completely forget the power of God in the midst of it. So I need to go back to his word. And I need to see how he delivered someone like David over and over and over. I need to see how someone like Peter, after he uh, denied Jesus three times, was redeemed by him and used greatly by him. And I read verses like 1 Peter 5, 7 that says, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Psalm 50, call upon me in the day of trouble and I shall rescue you and you will honor me. Matthew 6, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Matthew 11, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Proverbs 18, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs to it and is safe. I read these passages, I read these stories, and I remind myself that God is good. And he's not just good in these words, but I'll even go and I'll watch different testimonies. I'll I'll talk to different people and see how God has been working in and through their lives. Scripture says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And I allow the testimony of other people to be enough to fuel me up to say, you know what, God, you got this. You know what, God, I'm clinging to you in the midst of the storm. I'm not clinging to my bank account. I'm not clinging to my career. I'm not clinging to anything else because there is only one name given unto man whereby I can be saved, and that is you, Jesus. But I don't want to stop there. Here's the third thing that I do, and Pastor Bill, I hope I don't get in trouble for this. I let my prayers go up, and I put my phone down. So many times I was trying to live a life full of faith and 
I would end up just deflating so quickly. And I kept struggling with the sense of, God, I'm worshiping. God, I'm, I'm reading your word. Why is it that I keep feeling like I'm not going to make it? Why is it that I feel hopeless? And I often realized that, you know what? I'm giving God 15, maybe 30 minutes in the morning. And I am on Instagram for hours the rest of the day. I am allowing the things of this world to speak to me on what life is more than the God and creator of the universe. And I can no longer allow myself to believe that the God of heaven can take me to uh, his beautiful present uh, afterlife, yet at the same time not believe that he can't get me through my current struggles. So what I had to do is this. I started putting limits on my phone. I started setting time where I said, you know what, for lunch, we just going to worship and we going to pray. And if you don't have a lot of time, I put a five minute timer on my phone. I said, listen, before you go on YouTube, before you open up Netflix, before you do anything else the rest of the night, I just need you to pray for five minutes. That's it. That's it. Five minutes at lunch, five minutes in the car to work, five minutes on the uh, on the ride back home. I started increasing my time in prayer and allowing God to keep me more stable with what it is I was facing once the prayer was over. Salem, I don't know what storm you are going through right now. But I want to encourage you, whatever that situation is, that there is strength to keep you stable in the storm. That you can be able to trust in him and not lose hope and not lose faith and not lose love. Because you are clinging to him instead of clinging to whatever else you get gratification from. My prayer for all of you is that we could be stable in the storm, that we increase in our worship, that we continue to read God's word till it refreshes us, that we maybe take time to put the phone away and lift the prayers up, and that whatever we face, we will get to the other side. Sam, can I pray for you today? Jesus, you're wonderful. Jesus, you're mighty. Jesus, you're good. Jesus, there's no one like you. Father, to believe in you does not mean that we will be free from storms. To believe in you is to believe that we are an overcomer no matter the storm. Jesus, we give you our heart. We give you our lives. We ask that you do what only you can do in our situations and in our storms. You know exactly what we face, but we also believe today that you are much bigger than anything that is against us. So, Father, we thank you. Father, we believe you. Fill us with your presence. Fill us with your strength today. And let us be stable in the storm. In God's mighty, precious name we pray. Amen and amen. Salem Tabernacle, God bless you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Salem Tabernacle podcast. For more information about us, including gathering times and our location, check us out online at salemtabernacle.com.